Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our weekly message. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. To connect with our church family and to watch our live streams, please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. Let's uh, go to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to do something a little different today. Um, yeah, come on. This is Pastor Mitch Griffin. Uh, he's become a dear friend of mine. And um, so we were supposed to meet, I think, last year or the year before. Anyhow, we finally get together, and he's just been a tremendous blessing in my life. So he and I have been doing a good bit of recording. And um, so Matt was sharing about that when we were recording the other day that the power of the Lord was present and in that place. So this morning, I'm going to do like an interview with Mitch and let you guys in onto this. So we're going to be, um, I think we're going to start maybe this Wednesday. In the next little bit, we'll start releasing those uh, messages messages that he and I have recorded. If you are not tuning in the Wednesday night, you really need to tune in. Pastor Junior did an amazing job. I believe that's one of the best ones that he did. And so I, I just want to say this. I am so thankful that for a long time, and it, this is really was in my own mind, that I felt like I had to pull a lot of this by myself. And it was through really Danny and Steve just saying, you know, John, you don't have to tote it. I am so thankful for the ministers of the gospel and the godly people that's in this house that help us do what we do. And we're not going to be a healthy body if all you get is from is if all you get is eat from John. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm privileged to be able to have relationship and you know, uh, I use Pastor Junior for counsel all the time, and so I'm just so thankful for he and Tracy. So good to see you back in the house today. So good to see Coven and Janice. Miss Donna Edwards is back in the house today. Miss Maydean and Joe, it's just good to see every one of you. Stand good to see you today. So today we're going to talk about we're on this journey of really becoming healthy, and it's not necessarily just losing weight and stuff like that. So Mitch is um, Mitch has an organization called uh, Restored coaching and consulting. So he is a life coach. He has a ministry called Restored. He teaches in the marketplace a lot. Matt and I actually go to a business that he teaches at on Mondays. Uh, we are going for the free food, but to hear you two non-play. And so uh, we go uh, eat or whatever, and then uh, Mitch teaches on this. And I told Matt, I, uh, I just said that um, how great of a preacher you are just to be able to hear all of that that's going on in the marketplace, fans running, a forklift driving by, and he never misses a beat. I can't hardly stay focused if Catherine looks the other way or something, you know. I think I messed it up, but he stays focused on it at task, and and um, and he just does this. So, so uh, we're going to get right into the Word. I'm going to read the Scripture, and I'm going to ask him some questions, but I promise you today, if you'll listen, man, God has already set this service up. God has already done amazing things during the worship, but, but I want... I'm telling you, through when he starts preaching, you're going to get some truths on how to really flesh out what just happened in this worship service. How many knows that I believe that God, uh, you know, David, he, he said free. When we leave this place, you and I are going to get all kind of thoughts to come to our mind to try to contradict what just took place in this. He's fixing to give you the tools and the knowledge on how to take those thoughts captives and really flesh this out. You with me? So let's get in the book, uh, let's get in the word, not the book, but uh, let's get in the word of Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read uh, the first uh, two scriptures 
out of Hebrews chapter 12, maybe the first three right here. I'll be reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, as for us, we have all these great cloud, these, these, all of these great witnesses. Um, the King James just keeps coming to me. Though. <laughs> no, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. Look at this. I love Brian Simmons's language here. We must let go of every wound that pierces us. The 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 King James renders that we must let go of every weight that does so easily beset us. Let us let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion, determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm, and we fasten our gaze on the Jesus who has birthed faith within us, who leads us forward into faith's perfection, his example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy, knowing that, that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So Mitch, you've got a whole teaching on Restored where you take each, as an acronym, you take the R, you go through all, all of that, we're going to try to give a synopsis of this the best we can, and we're, you're going to whet the people's appetite for your teaching of what you do on this. And so, uh, and you and I also are doing this on video uh, as well, so we're going to release these, so when you see them, they'll, they'll be the R, he, he's going to go through every one of them with us. So, as you and I were talking about this, how does sin affect us if we don't deal with the wounds in our life? Talk about how sin, how the wounding, other words, a brother does me wrong or whatever it is, a disappointment, we begin to tote this wound. Tell me and tell us today, how does this sin enter in and what, what do we do about this? Well, first of all, I want to answer your question, but thank y'all, man. I, I have had myself a good time this morning. How about y'all? <laughs> yes. Anybody? Yeah, hallelujah. Uh, I almost followed you, my brother, when you did that laugh around the church because I was right there with you. Uh, I just, you. You almost can't contain. Some things aren't meant to be contained. Amen? That's right. And I was feeling that this morning, so I appreciate the opportunity to hang out. This man has been such a blessing to me. Again, it took us a year or so to finally get together, but, man, it's been awesome the last few weeks, months, yeah. couple months now that we've been hanging out. So John has become a dear friend, a dear brother to me. And I just want to thank you, man, for the opportunity to come and share. You know, I, I love what I do. You know, somebody asked me the other day, I'm going to answer your question. Somebody asked me the other day, why do you do what you do? And I thought, that's a really good question. Have you ever thought about that? Why do you do what you do? But uh, instantly, I had never thought about it, but instantly this thought came to me. I do what I do for a very simple reason, because I was a wreck. I was a wreck. I was a pastor but I was not very good as a husband. I was not very good as a father. I was a wreck as a man, and God's word and God's truth transformed my life. So why do I do what I do? Because I know what it's like to be a wreck, and I know what it's like to be restored, and I want to restore. I want to give away what God has given me. That's why I do what I do. So let me answer your question. What's the wounds that we've experienced have to do with our sin? I love the way the passion brings those two together. 
because it is our will. Anybody in the house been wounded? Go and raise your hand or you're going to be lying, right? We, we've all had wounds. We've all had those issues in our life. We've all got stories, and we can sit and commiserate in self-pity around our stories, or we can begin the process of dealing with those wounds. But here's what I want you to understand. And again, there's so much here to, to try to bring to you in this moment. But here's the reality, guys. When we are wounded, when we're not loved perfectly as God intends for us to be loved perfectly, we have a very real kingdom of sin, an enemy that is a kingdom of sin that loves to come seize upon those opportunities. I call them door points. It's a point of entry. So those things that have happened to us in our life is a point of entry. Romans 5:12, Paul says, through one man sin entered into the world. Well, he didn't just come one time. He's still coming in any and every opportunity he can. Second Peter tells us he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So what's the may? The may are those door points. The may are those times when we've been wounded, when we've been hurt, we've been abandoned, we've been abused, we've been rejected. Through those wounds, your enemy comes to begin to give you thoughts, feelings, and impressions that did not come from heaven and that are not original to you. When you, as a child especially, when you have these things happen to you, you don't know this, and you begin to listen. You begin to come into agreement. You begin to come into alignment with mindsets and ways of thinking that are not from heaven but are actually from hell. So the womb leads to sin this way. Because when my daddy doesn't love me and my daddy abuses me or whoever it is, I'm just picking on my daddy, when that happens, now I have these thoughts and feelings start to come to talk to me and say, if your own daddy don't love you, ain't nobody else going to. If he's not going to ever be the man he needs to be, nobody else, you can't trust anybody. Well, who told you that? Where'd that come from? Is that from heaven? No, it's not. Is that how God created you to think? No, it's not. That is your enemy. But guys, we've not been trained. The church has not done a good job, John. I was a pastor for 13 years, so I ain't blaming the church. I was a part of the church. The church has not done a very good job of helping us understand how to effectively battle against our enemy. We don't understand how he works causing us to come into alignment and agreement with mindsets that are not from heaven. And we listen to this and we participate with this. That is sin. Everything done without faith is sin, according to Scripture, right? So how many times in life do you operate out of a mindset that's not from heaven? And it's, it's faith, but it's faith in the wrong kingdom, and that's what sin is. So I'm telling you, we can, and I love this. I love what we just experienced here today, but this isn't going to equip you to walk day in and day out with truth that enables you to walk in freedom. Now, we've got to begin to understand how to effectively battle our enemy. And we got one, buddy, and he's doing a good job of wearing our, our rear ends out, if I can keep this clean this morning, all right? So does that answer your question? So good. So those, so the wounds. So here's the thing. I think a lot of us, especially he, he, he pastored for 13 years, and I just got to share this story. When he first came into my office, I, I mean, uh, Catherine does say, John, you're pretty vulnerable, but I mean, I, I had not been. He come with great accolades of some people that I knew that that you know. So I, 
I'd vetted him, if you will, before he made it to my office. And, uh, did you? So, yeah, I did a little bit. You know, so anyhow, I knew he was a real deal. That's what we cut up. I knew he was a real deal. So, man, he says in my office, and within 10 minutes, I'm telling him my whole life story. I'm telling him my own struggles. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, this dude just met me. He's going to think I'm crazy or whatever. And so, but he began to share with me that you pastor for 13 years. I think I can share this about the, that you maxed out on anxiety medication from two different forms just to make it through his pastorate. So he goes to a seminar to hear teaching on on the wholeness of man, bodies, I mean, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, as Paul told the church at Thessalonica, God wants to sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. And so here's the thing. We got people that are coming, sweating in our praise services, jumping up and down and shouting, but living lives of total defeat until they can come to the church the following Sunday to get a shot in the arm. And so nobody's told us on, we, we, we preach, and I'm, I'm saying this, we have been guilty of saying, you know, take the thought captive. Well, what does that look like, Pastor? And I think sometimes from ministry standpoints, we assume, we assume that people understand our Christian language. When everybody does, we, we want to know what is the how-to, what, what is that? So just what he's, he's saying, the enemy comes with thoughts. This is, he wants agreement. you got to understand, Jesus, when he defeated him at Calvary, he stripped him of his authority. He did not remove his power, but he stripped him of his authority. And so you and I, when Jesus leaves, he said, all power and authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth, and he turned around and gave you the keys of the kingdom. So the enemy is looking to hijack your authority. That's the only thing he can get anything advanced in the earth is through your authority. So how he does that is he wants you to come into an agreement with a thought that never originated from heaven and it did not originate in your spirit. It originates from his kingdom. And if he is, if you come in agreement with the thought, once he's empowered, he will devour. Are you with me now? So tell us about the, let's jump right here on this, on the origination of thoughts. How many, because Chris Valentin wrote this in his book, Spirit Wars. He did a conference he said this how many people has ever been driving down the road I'll do this here how many people has ever been driving down the road and you and you got a thought come to your mind or to take this vehicle and drive it right off the cliff is anybody we're the only one come on if you crazy raise your hand be proud of it. you know what I'm saying we, they's helpful us in the key you know what I'm saying how many knows that God nor you came up with that thought that is a lie straight from hell now tell us about how tell the people right here I got thoughts running through my mind, but I don't know if this is God. I don't know if this is me. What? Tell me about the thoughts right there. Who you just set me up? I can talk for hours right there. But um, statistically, this isn't Bible. This is a science. Statistically, they tell us we have between twelve thousand and a hundred thousand thoughts a day. Would y'all agree with that? Now I'm gonna get in trouble for a minute, but I think most of the hundred thousand are, are of the female variety in the room. Now that, that's not always the case. It's not always the case, but but we've got between twelve and a hundred thousand thoughts a day, according to those who ever do this research. I'm glad that's not my job. They go on to tell me that eighty to eighty-five percent of those thoughts are negative. Would you agree with that? Eighty to eighty-five percent of those thoughts are negative. And I got a full teaching on this, and I won't hit you here in about five minutes. 
Now, let me ask you, thoughts really can only come from three places. We could go to Matthew 16, and I could show you an example of all three. But thoughts really only come from three primary areas. You either have thoughts from God's kingdom, you have thoughts from Satan's kingdom, or you have thoughts from your own original head. It's really that simple. you got God, man, and Satan. That's the three main primary sources of thought. So you've got a thought to take your wheel and jerk it over and hit that piling on the, on the highway. I, I, I had that thought too. Where did that thought come from? Is that God? I mean, this is just how simple I teach it. Is that God? Is God telling you, kill yourself, boy? You can't handle this. There's no way. There's too much. There's not enough. You, 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 just done. You're done. You're done. You're through. You just well to go ahead and take yourself out. Everybody else would be better without you in the picture. I'm saying these things because you've heard them. And you think that they're your thoughts. They are not. And that is not your daddy. God's not telling you that. God's not giving you those thoughts. So second question, is this how God's created you to think? I can make that very answer. You said no, and you're right. But you're made in the image and likeness of God. You're made to think, speak, and act like your daddy. Amen? My father created me in his image. I am made to think, speak, and act like him. But something called sin, Romans 5, 12, has entered me. So I'm not made to think like that. If it's not my daddy, it's not how I'm supposed to think either. Amen? That just leaves one more source. I've already ruled out two. There ain't but three. Who told you that? Back in Genesis 3, I wish I could teach for a while right here. Back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve eat the fruit and they're out hiding in the bushes and they got the fig leaves on and God comes for his walk in the cool of the day, notice that God didn't say, what's wrong with you, boy? I told you not to do that. Come here, let me wear your tail out. That's not how God dealt with it. We've been taught all our life, I was at least, God can't look on sin. God hates your sin, and because of your sin, you are separated from God. But what did God do when Adam said? sin. He went looking for him. That's right. He went looking for him. He pursued he him. Pursued he was him. not so going good. to let him run away from his presence. He said, no, I'm coming after you, boy. And when he got there, what did he say to him? Who told you you were naked? Right. Now, I've read the Bible my whole life. I grew up in church. I was raised on this. But I never saw this. Who's in the garden, physically speaking? Adam and Eve. But God indicates a who. A who is a being. Guys, I submit to you. I ain't got time to fully teach you. But I submit to you every bit of the fear, the guilt, the shame that came and entered Adam and Eve when they ate that fruit was not God. And it was not them. This was an invisible kingdom of sin that has gained access to mankind. Those were the thoughts that forced them to make aprons. Those were the thoughts that forced them to hide in the bushes from the presence of their father. Those were the thoughts. And God didn't get on their rear end, John. He didn't punish them. He said, who told you you were naked? Guys, that truth right there set me free. You just mentioned earlier I was maxed out on two different antidepressant drugs. I was. I was a wreck. But when I understood this, it literally, like Paul, scales fell off of my eyes. And I began to realize I've been a puppet on a string. The enemy has played me like a fiddle, like a puppet all my life. Who told me I was worthless and good for nothing? Who told me I'd never measure up? Who told me that I need to keep my mouth shut? Nobody wants to hear what I got to say. Who told you? Fill in the blank. 
I love it, David, this morning. <laughs> Who told you? Who told you? David been sitting in that teaching. I love it, man. This, this reality, this is simple process of being able to discern the source of our thoughts. We can quote the Scripture all day long, but have we really been taught how to do it? We need to understand every thought in your head is not yours. The vast majority of the thoughts in your head, unless you've learned this and put it into practice, are not yours. The torment that I experienced on a regular basis in my life began to quickly go away. And I learned to experience something that the Bible talks about that I never knew. Peace. Peace. I didn't know what peace was. My mind was constantly spinning and churning. I was so petrified. I couldn't do this. I couldn't get up here and sit in front of all, all you eyes are looking at me. In my head, I'm thinking about what are you thinking? What's he thinking about what I just said? Do they agree with what I just said? If they don't agree with that, they ain't going to like me. If they ain't going to like me, then, then what's all this junk rolling in my head? Who told me that? Well, it's not God, and it's not me. It's my enemy. And then, obviously, there's more to the story because we got to learn now how to take the authority that we have been given. I love what you said. The only power the enemy has is your agreement. That's it. But when you recognize it and you begin to take responsibility for listening to and participating with the lie of the enemy, now you can repent. Now you can turn from the lie back to the truth of God. You can renounce your enemy, remove him from your life, and begin to experience the abundant life that Jesus promised you. We love to quote John 10.10. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I've come to give you life, that life more abundantly. But how many of us honestly, don't raise your hand, but how many of us honestly are living the abundant life? I wouldn't, but I couldn't admit it because I'm the pastor. If I get up here and admit that I'm not living it, what are you going to think about me? Does that make sense? Guys, we've got to be able to start thinking about what we're thinking about. Every thought in your head is not yours. The vast majority of them are coming from your enemy, and he's wearing you out. I can go on, but I'm going to hush. That's good. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, be, you not con- be not conned into form into this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. That word prove, you can be translated approve. So as we begin to recognize these thoughts that are bombarding our minds, that word approve, that we may prove the will of God, we'll get quick like flashcards to be able to prove whether that's authentic or not. It's just like this. You know, if we if we went and discovered, Bill teaches it like this, if we went and discovered and found we had a Vincent Van Gogh painting it at a garage sale, we either just become very wealthy or we got something that's not real. And so what you would have to do is take, take that and find someone who studied those paintings. They would notice the, the brush. They would, they would notice the, they would be schooled on his signature, the type of oil he used, the, how many uh, strokes were in his, in, in his, it, when he brushed it and, and what type of brush he would. So they would be able to say it is authentic or not. This is the same way you've got to get with your thoughts, friend. You've got to, you've got to learn how to approve or disapprove. And so when something exalts itself, like you're no, like you don't measure up listen none of us in this room measure up in the real in the real reality but the truth of that is is that Jesus came to measure up for us 
Are you with me? Now, we don't do it in our own righteousness or in our own goodness because that is filthy rags before God. But we do it in that we have now been adopted into sonship. Romans 8 declares that. And that word adoption in Romans 8 doesn't mean what we think in our Western thing of adoption that, you know, somebody had pity on us and loved us enough to take us into their family. You know, because if you, you, you don't share their DNA, you don't share whatever. But when we become adopted as sons of God, everything he is is in us. We have the mind of Christ. Come on, we have all that he is is on the inside of us. So let's go back to Hebrews 12. We're trying to figure out how do I deal with these wounds. I got, I, I'm realizing the things that are holding me back. Some of us are trying to be propelled into the future of what God has for us, but there's some things in the past that is holding us back. Past hurts. One of the things I'm doing this personally, I'm in a transformation series by John and Paula Sanford. And I told Catherine in some areas that I thought that I had walking in forgiveness. I realized what I'm really walking is forgetfulness. And so we're going to look at these things, that forgiveness and all of these things. But so right here, he says, let us let go of the weights and the sins that does so easily beset us. Let us let go of the wounds that has pierced us. So in the Christian walk, in the faith, the fight of faith, there are things, and in this is a picture of the Roman soldier that has had shrapnel to, to pierce the, the um, has pierced the armor, and now there's literally lead or something in, the, in there that is, that's penetrated the skin. It's a, it's a wound down inside of him, and, and now he's got to deal with this. So one of the things that the Roman soldier had also was a sword, which is like the Ninja Turtle Raphael. I grew up with the Ninja Turtles now. Uh, and so uh, that, that he would take this sword, and he would begin to remove it. This is what we're doing this morning. We're teaching you with the sword of the Spirit on how to take that sword to begin to remove thoughts and to begin to remove hurts from our lives that we'll unpack them so that we can run this marathon with passion and endurance. So he says, now looking unto God, which is the author and the finisher, you've shared your story with me about the relationship you had with your own natural father and things like that. So how is important is my view of God, just like we were told that God doesn't want to look on sin, but we find even in the beginning where God pursued man, even in his failure and then God provided his own covering for mankind. And so, so how is that when A.W. Tozer, his quote is, what I think about God, when, what I think about God is the most important thing about God. So how transformative is is to view God because you're going to call God daddy. Some people call him his father, uh, but most people refer to him as God like he's in the distance. But when you talk, you say my daddy. How did you come up with that? Oh, boy, again, you sent me. It's like just setting up a golf ball on a tee. I love it. Daddy, Romans 8, 15, I, you know, you quoted it earlier. Romans 8, 15 is my verse. I'm sorry, it's mine. It belongs to me. You are free to use it, but that's my verse. Daddy wrote that for me. Romans 8, 15 says this. We've not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is not English, right? It's translated in the, what, what does that word really mean? It's daddy. It's a term of endearment. It's closeness. It's daddy. So that's where it came from, but I got to back up a little bit to get there because in, in most of my experience growing up in the church, everything centered around Jesus. And, and I, I don't want to get in trouble right here because I'm not trying to downplay the significance and the importance of Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. No man comes to the Father but by him. But notice he said no man comes to who? The Father. 
the Father. So there is a relationship with the Father that is different than just my relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I was born again. I was saved. Me and Jesus was tight. I had a T-shirt that said, Jesus is my homeboy. I love Jesus. But when it came to Father God sitting on his throne, I wasn't so sure how he thought about me. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I teach, and I ain't got time to teach this fully, but I teach there's two primary things that really hinder us in our image and our view of Father God. One of those is religion. One of those is the image that we've been taught about who God is and how God deals with us. Very briefly, I often refer back to the Old Testament tabernacle and temple how it had the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies, only one man, the high priest, one time a year could go into that room for the purpose of sprinkling blood yeah. to cover the sins of the people. But they tied to, had, to, had to tie a rope around his leg in case he messed up and God struck him dead. Y'all remember this. That image of God has carried itself over into our New Testament experience and relationship with God. But what happened to that veil in the temple? When Jesus died, it was ripped from the top to the bottom, now signifying man because of the blood of Jesus. I don't need a man high priest one time a year to sprinkle goat's blood. I've got the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He has once and for all applied the blood on the mercy seat of God. And now I, as his son, have direct access. Hebrews 5 tells me to come boldly before the throne of grace to receive grace grace and mercy in time of need. So, so much to answer this question. Boldly. What's boldly look like? How many of y'all got youngins? You, you, do your youngins know how to boldly come ask for something? Yeah. I got a 14-year-old right now wanting a new pair of shoes, and he's about to wear me out to order his shoes. He don't care what I got going on. He wants those shoes, right? So, so we understand boldly, but have you ever really thought about how you can come to the very throne room of God, God the Father, boldly? Religion makes that very difficult to do. My image of Father God was a lot like Zeus. He was sitting there in his long white robe with his long white beard with a staff in his hand looking at me with eyes of disgust, just waiting on me to mess up one more time so he could jack me up a little bit. That was my image of God. It's really hard to open your heart in relationship with that. Would you agree? Second major thing that hinders my approach to Father God as Daddy is the failure of my earthly father. Again, I'm not bashing anybody's daddy. We all had daddies, but, you know, we operate out of our own hurt, our unhealed hurt. My earthly father did not know how to love because he was not loved. My earthly father failed me in many ways, and yours may have too. But what happens is Father God becomes guilty by association. We really begin to listen to and believe that he's going to speak to me. He's going to treat me the same way. He's going to discipline me the same way. He's going to interact with me the same way my earthly father did. And that's just not true. So let's come back to Romans 8. Because we've not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. I'm not supposed to be cowering in fear to my relationship with my father. I've got the spirit of adoption. What does adoption mean? I am wanted, I am loved, I am accepted, and I belong. 
That's what my daddy has to say to me. I want you. I love you. I accept you. And you belong to me. That's the spirit of adoption. And we got to begin to understand out of receiving the spirit of adoption, I can now call him daddy. Abba. Does that make sense? So how important is our image of God to our healing? It's vital. There's no way to be healed unless I have the relationship with my daddy. Why? Because he is the God of all comfort. The Bible teaches me that he's the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our tribulations so that we can then turn and comfort others with the comfort wherewith we have been comforted by. That's a lot of comfort, right? But what does comfort mean? Comfort, when you look at those original definitions in the original language, it basically means to call near for the purpose of alleviating stress, anxiety, grief, misery, and refreshing of the heart and the spirit. That's what we need. So we've been taught pretty well by the church we need to forgive. We have been taught forgiveness. I don't know if we really got it, but we've been taught it, at least that we need to. How many times are you supposed to forgive? 70 times 7, everybody knows that. So you have that knowledge, but if we've only forgiven and not been comforted by our Father, we still remain broken. We're still wounded. How many times you can have a conversation, you can think about something that happened to you when you were 5, 10 years old, you think it's over, you think you've dealt with it, but as soon as you start talking about it, you feel those same old feelings, don't you? The tears come. The anger comes. All this stuff starts to come. That's an indicator, buddy. You ain't dealt with it. You may have said that you've forgiven, and you may have forgiven as best you know how, but there's probably still some forgiving to do. There's definitely still some comforting that needs to happen, and that can only come through my connection to Father. Almost done. One more scripture. God is near, nigh to those who are of a broken heart. Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. There's a brokenness operating that produces our sin, and it is a relationship with Abba, with Daddy, through Jesus to the Father that is the source of that healing. That's the place of healing. That's the place of restoration is in the arms and the lap of Abba, Father, and we got to get there. Man, that's good. That's good. Do you agree with that? That's so good. And so what I what I've what I've come to realize where I've been at really all of 2021 is at a, after 20 plus years of ministry, there's a lot of things that I didn't realize that attached to my soul, man. And so now I'm realizing that you know you can be as strong as you want to in the spirit, but there's some things that we've got to deal with. In the soul part of man, which is where these where these wombs where the where the wombs are, and, and the things like that, and so learning how to really guard my thoughts, learning how to to get my view of the Father correct, because you cannot if you if you have that view that the Father's going to get you, it is impossible to draw near to Him. It's impossible to release trust to Him, and 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 He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to. To, to bring whatever we have to him. You understand, what? Well, however messed up I am, there's nothing that you're going to surprise him with. Now, I told Mitch this, the church, especially down here in the south, the things that we've heard, Father, we just come to you just as humbly as we know how. 
that, that puts off a thing like, you know, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we come boldly before the throne room of grace. We have access. He and I was recording, and, and we, we were, I mean, the anointing was flowing or whatever. It was there, and my phone rang, and I looked down, and it was Grant. And then I didn't answer, but he turned around and hit me again. Well, on the second call, I knew that he needed me. What did I say? You got to stop right here. We stop right here. I walk off of that set. I answer my son. You said this. I, it, it stuck with me. You said, I'll walk off of any set for my son. That's right. And I, that, that hit me because that's absolutely right. Go ahead. And so what? So if anyone else would have phone called me, you know what I'm saying, I wouldn't have jumped up. But the son has access. You have access this morning, friend. I, I just got to tell you this. You don't have access through me. You don't have access through Steve. You don't have access through Mitch. You have access to the Father through your relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you cry out, your Father is always willing to help. I'm telling you, you say, well, Pastor John, I just don't know if all this is. I'm telling you, you denounce those lies. I'm telling you, your Father is always there. You remember when Daniel was in the lion's did. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and the angel Michael finally, he said, listen, the day you set your face to pray, I was dispatched. Are you with me? It is impossible for us to pray the will of God and nothing don't happen. It is impossible for us to speak the will of God and nothing don't happen. And so our Father is 100% for us. We need to denounce those lies right now that, that, that God is not for me. Don't allow that to come into your mindset. And so I, I'm going to have, um, do what now? Right Go ahead. Because he's absolutely right. This, this place of the relationship with our Father is vitally important. But you need to expect as soon as you begin to try to pursue the reality of what we're talking about today, you've got an enemy. You can, I, I, I anticipate the thoughts coming, but you've got to recognize that is the strategy of the enemy to keep you out of the place of healing, to keep you out of the place of comfort, to keep you out of your Father God. Who told you that? That question is going to be so important to you in your journey. Every thought, take it captive. Who told me I can't push into the heart of my father? Look for your enemy's going to resist you. He is going to resist you. When I would do good, evil is present with me, Romans 7. So you understand there's a very real battle, and our battle's not against flesh and blood. Who's flesh and blood? I am. So my battle's not against myself. Some of y'all need to hear that. Well, your good. battle's not against yourself. I fought myself all my life. My battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against myself. My battle's not against flesh and blood. Who else is flesh and blood? Your pastor is. Your mom-in-law is. Your husband, your ex-wife. Flesh and blood is not who we're fighting. Flesh and blood, human beings, is not our enemy. It is principalities, powers, so on and so forth. It's that kingdom of sin promise you expect it look for it you start to press into the heart of your daddy you gonna feel the resistance of the enemy he's gonna do any and everything he can to try to keep you out of it recognize that's him tell him to shut up and take his slimy tail back where he come from and press into the heart that's of good. your daddy that's good that's good you know that i, I was listening to uh, mark casto which is with with damon thompson he said for eight months for eight months he sat by like, a, I guess it was at a fire pit in the winter or whatever, but he was set by a fire pit, burn wood, and read the book of Song of Solomon to try to get what was what Damon calls what? Para, 
pericaricia. I, I ain't that smart. Yeah, okay, I can't, yeah, I can't but you, you said it before. I've but pericaricia. Well, I didn't say but, it right. But it then is, either. it is, it is this, this, <laughs> this union, this union, the circle dance, the, the circle dance that God has. When, when Jesus prayed, I pray that they'd be as one as you and I are one. He was not talking about that that Cornerstone and Sparks Methodist and Sparks Baptist would be in divine unity. What he's talking about is pericoresis. That you spirit, soul, and body would be in perfect unity with your Father in heaven. That's where God's trying to get us to, friend. Are you with me? When we get settled in that, the thoughts will start beginning to change. Because where I got, I've been real honest with you, in one of the messages that I preached about the anxiety, I, I guess looking back over my life that anxiety has always plagued me a little bit, but I've always been able to keep it at bay. And let me tell you something, that's another lie of the enemy that I got to live by keeping this dogging bar, this barking dog on a leash that gets right near me, but he never takes me out. God is here. I'm t- I feel the Lord right here, buddy. God wants to silence that barking dog where we don't even hear him no more. Are you with me now? I'm telling you, I know as a pastor, as, a, as an anointed man preacher, I would lay in bed at night and, and scare Catherine, think I was going to die of a heart attack, thinking that he had, I literally believed at one point that the enemy could take me out. Let me tell you something. When, 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 when Biden became the president-elect, he had all of the security he needed. And how much more are we? Come on, somebody. I ain't the president of the United States, but I'm telling you, I'm a king's kid. Come on. I'm the king of king's kids. How much more on divine assignment, how much more is the angelic activity surrounding my life? Are you with me now? So we are divinely protected by our Father, divinely loved, and divinely cared for. Once these thoughts in our in our spirit, soul, and body become in alignment with his word and what and the truths that he's teaching here and the truths of God's word, that perichoresia, that dance and that cadence begins to take place, a lot of these things will subside in our lives. Listen to me, friend. We have never seen a more medicated generation than what we have now. And I'm not I'm not knocking medication, okay? I'm not not listen, where I was at a few months ago, I mean, I would have bought smoke crack to make it stop. I hate to say that, but I'm just telling you where I was at. We didn't do it don't by do it. God's grace, there, okay? No I'm just saying that, you know what I'm saying? That uh Brian Johnson is very honest in his book, When God Becomes Real. His father, Bill Johnson, he's at the, I mean, he's in a worldwide ministry. I mean, he's taken He's, he's drinking alcohol and taking medication to make the voices stop. And what happened is, is he realized that all of that running and doing and doing and doing, he ran clean past that soul health. And then once that soul became healthy, listen to me, this is tied to everything in our life. The finances you're looking at, he said, beloved, I want you to prosper even as your soul prospers. So you get that soul in divine health. You'll watch that marriage get in health. You'll watch your finances change. I'm telling you, friend, it is all tied to that. Physical as well, brother, because we are spirit, soul, body. When we are in dis-ease, eventually it's going to show up physically as yes. disease. Come on. So there's a physical healing that comes out of wholeness in our spirit and soul too. So don't miss that. So in Lucinda, 
Bassett's book, From Panic to Power, I, I began to read the things in that book of what people were going through, how many times they was at the ER, how many times things were, were, were sitting there going up, you know, crazy. And it had nothing to do with anything medically other than what is going on in the soul manifesting itself. Come on, somebody. High blood pressure. We need to deal with some unforgiveness. I'm not just labeling that. Some people, that is hereditary. But what? what listen, if you're walking around raged up all the time because of something you haven't forgiven, what do you think that's going to create in your body? It's going to create hypertension. Are you with me now? So, so, so I know that these are some truths that we got to go after. And another thing I want to leave with this morning, the number one lie of the devil is you the only one dealing with this. Mitch, you're the only preacher in the whole region that can't get it together and you're having to take anxiety medication and you're living defeated and you're the only one. That's an absolute lie. I, I dare say that there's a pile of ministers in this area because of what COVID has done to the church and the lack of finances. They're no telling how they're barely making it. That's why my heart always goes out to the leader. I'm telling you, if the leader is struggling at that level, you can only imagine what is happening with the sheep. And so we have to get honest and say, man, I'm getting beat up right here. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting beat up in this area. And I remember this when I was a young guy in my early 20s in a ministry class. L.A. Jonah taught this. He said, any, any, any weakness in your life, if you, if you begin to guard it and bring leadership, it will become a strength. And any strength in your life that you do not guard will become a weakness. So all we got to do is bring, bring a leader or someone trust that we can open up. You know what I'm saying? And so, so God wants us to get a correct view of our Father in heaven, just like our dad. And I, I shared this story. My dad was, I would never dishonor him, but he had an alcohol problem when I was a small child. But two weeks before I received this pulpit, I get down and I, and I, I forgive my father. And I said, Dad, I forgive you for every time you come home and created fear in my life because of your alcoholism. Two weeks later, I forgive him. I, I received the greatest gift that he's ever given me. You with me? Which is the pulpit over there. So I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm just telling you, friend, I, I, I know this is different this morning, but I'm trying, I'm on a journey with you that, that you don't just come hear me holler around. We have got to get the dots of these other gifts. You know what I'm saying? And the teaching that God is putting in, there's no doubt I 100% know that God sent this man uh, to, to us. You hear me? Not only to me, but to us. And, and we're going we're gonna to hear from some more from him. And not only that, Junior, the gift of encouragement that's on his life, you watch those Wednesday night teachings that he did. You know what I'm saying? And Pastor Chris, the ability to teach, Chris is not going to get up here and holler, but he will ground us into something. Are you with me now? If all we got is a shout, I can tell you this, the enemy will blow your house down. But if you got some word that you can anchor in, some truths that you can hold on, he can come blow with whatever tornado he's got, and it ain't never going to blow the house down. So God's sending us these gifts. My heart is to honor these gifts and, and to allow these gifts to come to the body so that we'll be like Paul said, the fitly furnished man that is in Ephesians. So let's stand up on our feet right here this morning. I want to, I want you to just reach your hands by faith, by faith. Mitch, I want you to pray right here. I just feel like you pray whatever you feel like the Lord's telling you to pray. But I want you to, how many feel like you got something you can leave home with today? How many do you feel like you did? You, you Did you? 
Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the opportunity to give away what you've given me. God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that yes. by your spirit you speak to each man, woman, boy, and girl in this room. Father, I pray you expose the lies of the enemy. God, I'm going after that deep-rooted lie. Yes. That lie that they have listened to since they were four, five, six, ten years old. That belief system that is entangled into every choice and every decision they have made their entire lives. Father, I ask you, by your spirit, reveal the lie. Yes. expose the lie, open their eyes to see. Father, let this word ring in their spirit. Who told you? Father, I, I ask you to open their ears to see, ear to hear, to their eyes to see, to be able to discern the lie of the enemy. And Father, I also ask that by your spirit, you connect them to you as the source. Father, the place of healing, the love, yes. the joy, the peace, the comfort that comes yes. from unhindered, uninterrupted, unimaginable relationship with you. Father, the dream that they've never even been able to tap into of yes. what relationship with yes. God can look like. Father, I pray you open their eyes to begin to dream. Open yes. their eyes to begin to see by vision of faith what yes. can my life look like if I am unhindered by this lie? What yes. can it look like, Father, if I can truly connect to you? I can truly receive your perfect love. So God, I'm asking you by your spirit to love perfectly and experientially, Father, unravel the mystery of your love and begin to baptize each and every one of your sons and daughters with the perfect love of God that cast out all fear. All fear has to go. What would your life look like if you didn't have that fear anymore? What would your life look like if all those doubts and fears were gone, removed, and it's out of here in Jesus' name? Begin to dream. Begin to hope. Begin to stretch forward to it and recognize any and every resistance as the lie of the enemy. Me. Father, establish this, root this in their heart and lives, transform them by your truth is my prayer in Jesus' name. Would you Amen. give God a great God bless you. Amen. God bless you, friend. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday night. Don't forget to catch that live stream on Wednesday night. If you didn't catch last Wednesday, I really encourage you. You'll, you'll really be blessed by it. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank y'all. We hope you enjoyed our weekly message. Thank you for joining us. We want to connect with you. Please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc where you can find our social media information and directions to download our smartphone app. This will keep you connected to all things Cornerstone. We pray that you have a wonderful week.